Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, it's time. 2022 is almost over. Everybody grab your coffee cups, because it's time for The Drippies 2022. We've had had some contentious years in the past. Mainly a contentious year last year. Well, last year, just in particular, there was much drama to be had around the Best Picture category, where you dug your heels in about Birdman and I would do it again. And just flat out refused to even have a discussion, which made for great podcasting, I'm sure. Would you, would you have not done the same thing for Citizen Kane? <laughs> for Citizen Kane? <laughs> Specifically? I do love that movie. It's amongst your favorites, if not your favorite. Well, I mean, Citizen Kane is not my favorite movie of all time, but I think it's it's like, I to me, it's one of those where obviously it's one of the best movies ever made, and if you don't think so, I question your judgment, Pauline Kale. But um, four out of five stars. <laughs> so, I, it's not like necessarily one of my favorites, but if I had to vote for the Sight and Sound poll, for example, I would vote for it. Ah, oh, Sight and Sound, yeah. getting into it. Yeah, we are. But folks, uh, I, I mean, like singing in the rain. My guy, there we go. Also on my sight and sound ballot. We are, of course, not here to discuss our sight and sound ballots because we didn't get them. We're here, to, <laughs> we're here to share our reflections on the year, really. We talked about some of our favorite movies that we covered uh, in, in brief uh, a couple episodes ago. But now we're going to talk through our actual awards that we'd like to give out and reflect on the different blends of the month we did, share our picks for best acting performances, best directing, and screenplay, talk about some ideas for future blends we even had, and eventually get to our best picture of 2022. We did not talk about how we're going to structure this. I know we're going to start with the supporting categories. Yeah, well, so we'll start by walking through just the different blends we did, kind of reflecting on those, reminding people of the movies that are in play here, because of course... There are quite a few. We only took July off. That was our summer break. So every other month had a blend to work with, except for July and now December. We'll talk through, we'll say, best supporting actor and actress. Then we'll get to some ideas for future blends. We'll talk through best actor and best actress. We'll get into our favorite blends. And then we'll talk through director, screenplay, and picture before we wrap things up. All right. So, I mean, let's let's do it by the... You started off with January. Sure. So why don't you... Give you January, I'll give my February, so on and so forth. So for January this year, we kept a trend going where we went back to the 70s. Previous years, we had picked a year and watched some of the most beloved movies from that year. This year, we went with 1975 and talked through three of the five Best Picture nominees of that year. It's widely considered one of the best uh, lineups the Academy ever put together. And the three we discussed on the show were Jaws, Barry Lyndon, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. February, I decided I wanted to look at the apocalypse and impending doom. And so I actually chose two movies per week. So we did, we started with Planet of the Apes and then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So the original from the 1960s and the new one from 20, or the second one in the new installment. Then we went on to Independence Day and Moonfall to go with Roland Emmerich. And we ended off with Children of Men in Contagion to talk about uh, disease apocalypses. In March, The Batman came out, and I was naturally buzzing with excitement, and so I took the opportunity to have a Bat Month here on the pod. I have Bat March here in the Google Doc. I just called it a Bat Month, and I think we just called it Batman, which was actually titled on your podcatcher. But either way, we talked through the new release of The Batman, and then went back to 89 and talked about Batman with Christian's first dad, Michael Keaton. And then we joined Christian's second dad, Christian Bale, and discussed The Dark Knight. 
eventually wrapping up with some Batman animation, which was always fun. We even talked about the bonus episodes we've been doing, but that was a fun one. In April, it was my birthday, and so we looked at the 25th anniversary of my birth and of movies. So we looked at three movies that ruled the blockbuster scene in 1997. We did Men in Black, Liar Liar, and Titanic. After that, I wanted to recognize the Nicolas Cage moment we were all having, thanks to release of the unbearable weight of massive talent, which I saw. Great movie. Great movie. Which I saw with... Pedro Pascal steals it, though. Indeed he does. With friend of the show, Paul Yoder. So, Paul, if you're out there, buddy, thanks for seeing that with me way back when. And we talked through Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, and Adaptation, as well as doing another episode on both National Treasure movies with Paul Yoder. And then we, we had our last month before our break, and uh, Top Gun Maverick was coming out, so I chose to look at collaborations between Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie. We looked at Top Gun Maverick, we looked at Edge of Tomorrow, and Mission Impossible Fallout. Which, that was your first time seeing the Mission Impossible movies, if I'm not mistaken, Christian. Oh, I watched all of them for that pod. It was a good time. It was a good time, and you're welcome for that. July, we took our summer break, some time away from the pod to catch up on movies from the year that we had missed, and we came back with our top five of the year so far. But in August, we went to David Leach, another filmmaker month there. I wanted to recognize the release of Bullet Train, and so we covered that, as well as John Wick, which might be one of the most contentious episodes we've ever done on this podcast. And we also... You dropped an F-bomb, which I edited out. I did. Mm-hmm. It's all It's all just a... a I, I was turning red. It was a haze of fury and rage. So thanks for keeping this podcast family friendly. We also covered Atomic Blonde to wrap up the month. So September, we looked at Viola Davis, one of the premier actresses, honestly, of our time. And we looked at Doubt, Fences, and Widows, which were three movies that she's been nominated. No, no, that's not true. Two movies she was nominated for an Academy Award for and one where she has worked with a stellar filmmaker with. So, it was it was an interesting time to be able to look at just the filmography she has and why she has it. It was. A brief review of The Woman King as well that month, plus some of our, our, our top five of her performances. In October, horror was on the mind, and so I wanted to walk through some slasher classics, all of which I was watching for the first time. There's only one of which you saw for the first time, Christian, but the one we were both new to was Friday the 13th, and we also covered A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. And then to wrap up in November, simply because the day that we're recording this, the way water connects all things, James Cameron's long-awaited sequel, we we looked at Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day, we looked at Aliens, which I, I am mad at you for, and we looked at Avatar with our dear friend Paul Yoder, the second time we were discussing Avatar on the pod, but we did like a scene-by-scene breakdown of Avatar, which is... I liked it. I liked how we structured that episode. I just want to say a big thank you to James Cameron for releasing Avatar The Way of Water on my birthday. Just really sweet of him to do. Just really kind. Today, the 15th, is the day that we're recording this, and it is my birthday, and I couldn't feel happier that I get to spend it with James Cameron in a a dark room at Cinemark. So, (laughs) thanks, James. Appreciate you. I really want to give a shout out to the people of Illumination Entertainment for releasing Super Mario Bros. on my birthday. (laughs) It's going to be a great 26th birthday for you, Christian. Oh, 26, don't remind me. All right. All right, let's, let's dig in. It's time, folks. It's time to start dishing out some awards. So, without further ado, the Drippies 2022 commence with 
our award for best supporting actor. You you created this category, so so give them to me. I did. There were some some excellent performances to choose from this year. Obviously, just reflecting on the movies we covered, a lot of really good movies, and especially for movies that I was returning to, it was almost always movies that I truly loved, whether they were full-on five-star classics for me or still up there. So hard to choose. Uh, I will say, a lot of the movies that we covered were big blockbuster movies, which are really, really good from a movie perspective, but maybe not necessarily for their acting. So this wasn't necessarily a hard category to put together for me, but here it is. Our first pick Brad Dourif for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was nominated for an Academy Award in one of his first performances. I like him. Playing Billy, Billy Babbitt, the, um, I guess we can say, <laughs> ill-fated, maybe, one of the members of the, of the home that Jack Nicholson's character moves into. And speaking of Jack Nicholson, we have him for Batman, playing the Joker. And I couldn't resist. <laughs> I followed up immediately with Heath Ledger for also playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. And I think those two provide incredible performances, some of the best we've ever gotten in comic book style movies, superhero style movies, giving very different takes on a very iconic character, both of which are going to last for the ages. So wanted to recognize the two of them there and let my Batman love show. Also wanted to include Chris Cooper for Adaptation and Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubt. The honorable mentions I had were two Roberts. Robert Englund for Nightmare on Elm Street, a performance I love that I know you don't really care for, so I didn't want to include it in the top five, as well as Robert Shaw for Jaws, who plays Quint in that movie. He gets to give the iconic speech as the, the three men have set out to catch the shark, and of course he also meets perhaps uh, an ill-fated end. Is he the crazy captain? or is Yes, he, the, okay, yes, cool. he is the crazy captain. All right. So Christian, of those five nominees, what's just your immediate reflection? We haven't we the way that we do this okay, here is so we put together lists on yes. our own, like we each claim a few categories. So one person kind of gets authorship over the nominees. So I'm curious for your thoughts, Christian. Look, we what we normally do is I tell you immediately who I want, and then you reflect on all five. Yes. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. I don't think. I I think you agree. I feel really good about that, Christian. I think there are some really, really good performances here, but he's the one who probably in the least amount of screen time compared to the rest of these four actors just absolutely electrifies the screen. He's frightening, he's scary, he's chaotic, and it's something we never saw from Heath Ledger before. He was really a romantic lead most often in his young career. He was in The Patriot, which is another type of action movie. Yeah, I mean, he was... He's the son of Mel Gibson's character in that movie, right? Yeah. I actually like that movie quite a bit. So, you know, he, he had been in action movies like this before. You know, A Knight's Tale is another option. He was in, he's in Ten Things I Hate About You. Even in movies like Brokeback Mountain, where he's playing, of course, more dramatic roles. But we had never seen something like this from him before. And it's a great shame, obviously, that we'll never see something like it again. He won the award, the Academy Award posthumously. So it's just... It's depressing knowing that this is his final performance, but it's also an incredible piece of work. I mean, the Joker is one of the best. His specifically, his Joker is one of the best villains we've ever gotten. I think in a recent Hollywood movie, a superhero movie, whatever you want to say, just absolutely jumps off the screen with a. When you go back to that movie, a surprisingly low amount of screen time. So I'm totally okay just handing this award out. I already highlighted his name. Indeed, you did. 
So, any just any thoughts from you on the other performances here? Like, if there, if there's a second place finisher for you, I would have said uh, I would have said Brad Dorif. I, I I he what's his his, his character's name? Billy, right? Billy Babbitt, I think. Yeah. Billy is just the most empathetic character in that movie, and the ending would not work if it were not for the depth that he gave his character. It's Billy Bibbitt. I corrected myself there. Bibbitt's not Babbitt, but I agree with you. Uh, he really brings that movie together in many respects and ultimately even though it's not a movie that you and i adored like i know some people consider it an all-timer american classic that's a great cast in that movie and dorif is a really enduring part of it so it's cool to see that his performance is recognized by the academy at the time and, and still and by uh, us along. yes the other academy. Us, of course another nomination here from the drippies now christian i turn to you for the category of best supporting actress so, do you want me to read the first name, or to just say the four? <laughs> Christian, read the first name. Okay, I have Amy Adams in Doubt, Zoe Kravitz in The Batman, Kim Basinger in Batman, Kim Hunter in Planet of the Apes, and Zoe Saldana in Avatar. And as soon as I put these five nominees, Scott texts me and says, Get rid of Amy Adams, previous Drippy Award winner Amy Adams, because... Only Kim's and Zoe's get nominated. You managed to pick both the Zoe's we watched in movies this year, and both Kim's. So <laughs> had to make had to make that joke while we could. But of course, Amy Adams here, although she has a strike through on the document, who she will retain her nomination here from the the Cinema Drip voting body. What about these performances spoke to you, Christian? Okay, Amy Adams just portrayed the most interesting and innocent individual in doubt coming to terms with the horror that was actually going on or the possibility of that horror zoe kravitz electrifying on screen and i don't like what they did with her character screenplay wise but she really helps propel the plot of that movie forward in a way that you need someone to do so in a blockbuster uh kim basinger is just giving all manner of emotion in Batman for a character who's largely being just used by the rest of the cast. And yet, you really feel for her, and for her plight, and for how she's trying to understand who this Batman is. Kim Hunter in Planet of the Apes, I just love that movie, and I love her performance. She is covered in makeup from head to toe of, of being an ape. And in that, trying to come to grips with who Charlton Heston's character is, and how you manage to portray a, an ape scientist who is trying, who has an inquisitive mind, who's trying to reckon with her own society. There's so much honesty there that, that you, you need to give her credit for. And Zoe Saldana for Avatar, who is, is undoubtedly just heartbreaking in her realization of who the humans are, who Jake Sully is, and how she is to, to protect and live and abide by the rules of her society and to have her eyes do so much acting in this mocap. I, I, I mean, is is wonderful. This is a really great bunch of nominees here. And it's Honorable also, mention to Viola Davis. That's that. right. Honorable mention to Viola Davis. We might be hearing more from her soon, but obviously a very, very small role in doubt, but a pivotal role nonetheless. So... A really good batch here. It's funny to see Amy Adams with her very dramatic turn in doubt compared to four <laughs> people from big 
big hit action or science fiction movies. <laughs> but, of course, those movies provide us great and enduring performances. We just gave an award to one in Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight. I have to say that no, no, no one really jumps out to me from this list because it, it is a good list. I'm not saying it's a bad list. I'm just saying that they're all kind of on an even, an even playing field for me. So wh- where is your heart leaving you, Christian? I think it's between Kim Hunter and Zoe Saldana. That's where my heart's leading me to. Okay. What do you think about that? From those, from those two, I I tend towards Zoe Saldana. From those two, I am and two two. There you go. And what's funny about that is, in a way, Kim Hunter, she's sort of you know she's the prototype, and Saldana is the final product because the costumes of Planet of the Apes are one of the best parts about that movie. Mm-hmm. But obviously, they're fake. You can see the seams <laughs> and the makeup and, and everything. And I'm glad that they went that route. And of course, other movies of the time it did costumes better. way worse. It looks better than some of the CGI we get now. Yes. And of course, now mocap performances are achieving what filmmakers back then could only dream of in fitting human actors into these non-human characters. And I I really do think that Zaldana provides an incredible performance through the motion capture. And it's one of the strengths of Avatar is that the actors are not lost behind all of the the special effects and all of of the motion capture uh, shenanigans going on. And in many respects, she does give a really grounded performance as Neytiri, bringing, of course, our guy Jake Sully <laughs> into the world of the uh, Matakaya people of the Navi. So it could have gone to a Zoe, could have gone to a Kim, but it went to a Zoe. It went to Zoe Saldana. She, and it's funny, she's become one of the most financially successful actresses at the global box office because, of course, her presence in Avatar, as well as in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as and well as Star Trek. The Star Trek movies. And it's funny because I, I don't know. She doesn't always get a ton of credit, I think, for her parts in these movies. But she's always an integral part. So she's someone I really like to see when she's on screen. Glad to recognize her here. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's done blue. She's done green. <laughs> we just need, uh, we, we need, we need Zoe in red. Yes. We need Zoe in red. <laughs> Some alien species where <laughs> she's forced to dress up. In a red costume. All right. Should, do we do ideas for future blends now, or what are? Oh, Christian, it's it's time for our ideas for future blends. This is one thing we do every year. We reflect on the year and try to draw inspiration for a potential future okay. month. Christian, you have actually held to your word on this, to to my understanding. Well, Bradley Cooper month will come this year. Bradley Cooper month will come, but you did pick apocalypse movies because yeah. I looked at the Drippies document from last year, and that was your your selection. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, and you made that happen. I, I don't think I made either of my picks from 2020 or 2021 happen. One was Time Loop, right? One was Time Loop, which we have not gotten around to doing yet. But maybe one day. What Christian. was your other one? I, I'll, I'll look it up if you want to talk yeah. about your idea for a future blend. So my idea for a future blend, I think, came from Titanic. Because I wanted... I mean, Titanic is in essence a disaster movie. Like, ship hits iceberg. Iceberg is part of nature. And, and the disaster movies are like when nature goes bad. Moonfall, technically, is a disaster movie. And I wanted to think... I feel like we don't talk about disaster movies a ton. So what would it look like to talk about disaster movies and see where it is that they've gone? Because they're normally pretty bankable. Like, Twister comes to mind. And so I'm I'm, I'm wanting to see, well, what would happen... Well, where, where are they from? Where are they from? Where are they now? And where are they going? 
Yeah, I mean, disaster movies as a subgenre have fallen out of style a bit, but also because a lot of superhero movies that are being made these days usually have world-ending stakes, where if we don't stop whoever, they're going to blow up Earth. And so <laughs> they've sort of been subsumed into that genre, but it would be fun to look back at some classics yeah. without uh, Thanos or Darkseid or whoever coming in to, to end the world. I looked it up. My idea from last year was classic horror or neo-noir. And so yeah, I, in a way, in yeah. a way, we did do some classic horror. Not classic classic, but slasher classic. So we did get to. My, I, I have two ideas here. I think one, it, it's fun to look back at Best Picture nominees. I think you and I are both two people who, we care about the Oscars. There, well, actually, there are over 90 Best Picture Academy Awards. Right. So you'd have to... There, there is a, a long list uh, of opportunities to look at. And I will say, the Academy Awards from, say, 1930 might not be the best, <laughs> most, most marketable crop of movies to discuss. But even so, I think it's fun to look back at three of the five, or in more recent years, three of the eight to ten, and discuss them in deep... But then get to familiarize yourself with the rest of the movies from that year and do sort of an overview episode of the Oscars that year. I found that format to be really fun. So I think it will be fun to do that for other years, especially if it's the 70s, 80s, some more relevant years to sure. us. But in terms of a more specific idea, I think it would be a blast to do a Nicolas Cage round two, just because that guy has made so many movies. <laughs> and we could do something so very different from what we've already discussed for him. Conair, Face Off, and The Rock. We could literally do a Conair face-off on the Rock Nick Cage 90s action movie episode, and that would be, or a blend of the month, and that would be a blast, because I've, I've seen, only seen Conair from that crop, but it's an incredibly fun movie, even though it's got its flaws. But you could do a, like a crappy Nicolas Cage movie month, you could do a Nicolas Cage horror movie month, you could do a Nicolas Cage family movie month. The guy has an immense amount of range and has made so many movies that there is so much... Out of debt. <laughs> he did have to get out of debt, unfortunately. But there's just so many options. I think it'd be fun to do a round two with him if he's got another movie coming up at some point next year to memorialize him. Or just down the road. Could be we have plenty of actors to he get does, He with, has Spider Man coming out next year. Yeah, but he's he's not the lead in that. He's well, like I'm sorry. What <laughs> he's like in the original Into the Spider Verse movie, he's got like his character's in a lot of scenes, but he doesn't have that many lines. But you his know? character's like one of the best. Well, yeah, of course he is. <laughs> if we were going to do something related to that, I would rather do like, you know, animated movies of the 2010s or something. Like something that's a little bit more connected to that movie as opposed to just picking him out of the voice cast. Should we... Okay. Let's move on to the rest of the nominees. We are moving on. Because it's time to go from supporting to leading. And we're going to look at the nominees for Best Actor, another Christian category. So... Go ahead and read off the nominees here. I fought for these categories this year because we normally switch. Like we, we normally have the inverse of the categories that we selected, and I'm like, no, I'm done with you with you having best actor. <laughs> Clive Owen for Children of Men, Charlton Heston for Planet of the Apes, Tom Cruise for Edge of Tomorrow, Denzel Washington for Fences, and Arnold Schwarzenegger for Terminator 2: Judgment Day. No Jim Carrey for Liar Liar. No Jim Carrey for Liar Liar. But honorable mention for Roy Scheider from Jaws, who I do like quite a bit, despite not thinking that the movie entirely works. No Keanu Reeves for John Wick. We can change it. You can put him in. You can write this wrong, Christian. If we ever did... Um, oh, what, 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 is, what is that Nancy Myers movie he's in? 
Um, is it is it something's got to give? Is that a Nancy Myers movie? I think it's something's got to give. If we did something's got to give, hundred percent would nominate him for best supporting actor. <laughs> best performance he's given. Yes, that is that is the movie that he is in. Okay. Diane Keaton has her option of Di- of Jack Nicholson or Keanu Reeves, which um, all right. choice. Clive Owen. The reason being, oh man, in Children of Men, he just has this 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 track of going from the most cynical individual. To, to having his eyes open as to what hope might mean in the world. For Charlton Heston, this this hardness in, in, in the face of overt oppression, which is something he has not been used to, and needing to come to terms with an entirely new world that does kind of propel you forward to find stuff out alongside him. For Tom Cruise, which is some of the most vulnerable, I think he's ever just been on screen, having to balance all these different iterations of him, having being time-looped and dying and coming back. Um, Denzel Washington, of just a man who has been so weathered by society that he's trying to come to terms, or not come to terms, but he's seeing how it's affecting the people around him and himself. For Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is just a beast of a man, and basically one of the most iconic silhouettes, figures, action individuals that it's unfair to say that action acting is is um, lesser than dramatic acting i would rather see arnold schwarzenegger's silhouette fighting a terminator than any other person's silhouette fighting a terminator so those are those are the five i have i don't know if I, I don't. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, I have no thoughts. I'm trying to think of meme picks for other silhouettes to fight a Terminator. Danny DeVito is kind of my default. He's the first one that comes to mind. Would love to see Danny DeVito fight a Terminator. Just, mm. just gonna get that out there. Okay. Of this fi- this group of five, another great group of five here. Love to see Charlton Heston too. His performance in Planet of the Apes is not something I, I think was ready for. And that movie starts with him giving this deep, amazing, and thoughtful monologue, monologue which I. <laughs> I had no idea how long it takes for that movie to get to the planet of the apes and even to introduce the apes who are on said planet. But great, great turn from Heston there. And he's someone who I'm honestly not deeply familiar with because I have not journeyed into classic Hollywood as much as I wish I, I would have. And he's obviously a, a huge figure. Oscar winner from Ben Hur. Controversial figure also. Yeah, he's, you know, like a lot of actors of his time, uh, unfortunately, has some. These like has some controversy as a chase after him, but if I have to make a pick here, I also go Denzel. Oh, look at us! Look at us! We're united. We're we've been lockstep for a while. We're just we're happy. We're smiling. Avatar: The Way of Water is coming out, and the whole mood has been lifted. <laughs> no, because Den. Oh man, Denzel just takes us on a journey, and 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 how he is a man who can is continuously given the chance to improve as a human being. And refuses it because he's carving out his own path basically like against the world which is just not the path you want him to go on and it's it it's like how much you can view this man for having faults and yet also not 100 percent blame him because you know what society he had to grow up in troy maxon is he's a difficult character to play because the way that he's written by August Wilson is is so difficult. Who makes choices that, of course, we don't agree with, and who hurts the characters that we've come to grow and love. And Washington fills him with an empathy. He is 
that that opening scene where he is walking and laughing and telling stories with Jim Bono and and with his wife, who's played by Viola Davis, you you just fall for this guy. You see the charisma. You understand why people are drawn to him and why people love him. But then, of course, the rest of the story unfolds, and Washington fills Maxon with that that heart and empathy that is needed to understand why this character is sympathetic. If you don't have the right actor there, it falls apart because this guy becomes you just unlikable. Become, you, ju- you just don't buy into the movie. Yeah. And he is an actor who, of course, has a performance filled with awards-worthy work, and he's gotten plenty uh, of recognition, of course. This is my favorite Denzel Washington performance. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I'm not sure where I stand it, because he's obviously been in a lot of great movies. I haven't even seen some of his... Movies that are considered his classics or his best performances. I haven't seen Malcolm X, for example, which I is love Malcolm X. a movie that I'm one to get caught up with in the near future here. But yeah, I'm glad that we're on the same page because he's unbelievable in Fences. Then let's move on to Best Actress. Um, I'm just seeing who you kicked off of, of the nominations into honorable mentions, and yeah. I'm upset. Yeah, I knew you would be. So that's why I wanted to recognize why we're having so much fun, how happy we were. I'm only upset at one person. So though. united. <laughs> This was, this was tough. So here's where I went for Best Actress. Holly Hunter for Raising Arizona. Elizabeth Shue for Leaving Las Vegas. Meryl Streep for Doubt. Viola Davis for Fences. And Sigourney Weaver for Aliens. Now, read the honorable mentions. So in the honorable mentions, we have Louise Fletcher for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Obviously, a very famous performance. A very famous movie Nurse villain. Ratchet. Nurse yeah. Ratchet. But one that we both, I remember, we distinctly talked about on that episode... How we appreciated it, it's a great performance, but don't necessarily understand why she's considered one of the great movie villains. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to recognize her, but for our purposes here, not going to win the award. Kate Winslet for Titanic. I'm sorry, Kate. Christian didn't, put, didn't even put Leo in the honorable mentions, but she is, she's fantastic. They both are in Titanic. I just had to leave someone off. Linda Hamilton for Terminator 2. How dare you? How, I know. I'm mad about this one, too. I, I, I am Christian. We have... A lot of James Cameron heroines here that I was trying to choose between because this list needed some variety. Oh no, a director who decides to have multiple heroines. Christian, we covered a lot of movies on this show. We've talked about a lot of the James Cameron-centric ones already, and we will be doing more of it, I'm sure. So I just needed to find some way to diversify the list here, and it meant picking one James Cameron heroine of the three that were on the table here. So... I was forced to pick Sigourney Weaver, and I it killed me to you leave off Linda Hamilton. I was. I you was were compelled. Blessed. I was compelled. And I I love Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, and it pains me to leave her off. And then lastly, Emily Blunt in Edge of Tomorrow. Really great action performance, one that sort of reinvigorated and uh, reinvigorated her career and restyled what kind of parts that she could play. And she's got some she's someone with a lot of range. But unfortunately, just with the five that we had, had to leave her off. Ironically, in all my hemming and hawing about James Cameron, I did manage to fit in two from our Viola Davis Blend of the Month, which have been appearing a lot on these lists, and two from our Nicolas Cage Blend of the Month, because both Holly Hunter and Elizabeth Shue made their way onto this list. We even talked about Raising Arizona or Leaving Las Vegas at all, Christian. So what are your recollections of these two performances in particular? Leaving Las Vegas is just a movie I don't see myself ever watching again. Because it is... You're just watching two characters be miserable. It is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking and depressing. (laughs) And yet, 
Cage won an Oscar for it. Elizabeth Shue is fantastic in it. Elizabeth Shue is fantastic and should have been recognized by the Academy as well. Holly it's Hunter sad. just in, in Holly Hunter, she has just one of my favorite voices in all of Hollywood. Oh, it's an incredible, incredibly distinctive voice. Love her. Love, love how she did it. How she showed like just a different maternal, I guess, elements of acting. How she portrayed herself as like eight or nine different types of mother in in going in this. Meryl Streep and Doubt, fantastic. Honestly, fantastic. It's it's maybe it, that is my favorite uh, Meryl Streep performance. The intensity and just the jaggedness and the cynicism within what she's what she's trying to do and accomplish. Viola Davis and Fences, I've told you, I like it when my character can smile. I love it when she was allowed to smile and actually be happy and show different emotional range, despite just also the life has hit her heart, but she's looking for the hope and optimism in it. I still stand by the fact that I just want Viola Davis to just be in a comedy, just a really funny movie where her character endures no trauma, no deadbeat husbands, yep. no violence is inflicted upon her or her loved ones. Just need her to have fun, dang it. And Sigourney Weaver, who is one of our national treasures in... in how she was able to be there in Aliens and what she has done with her career and also she was in Avatar and just the intensity that she brings she's she's operating at a hundred percent and it's fantastic the one of the parts that make Alien and Aliens deeper than just the average science fiction movie is a lot of the thematic work going on both in the screenplay and in the some of the even the set and prop design and if Alien is a lot about, <laughs> it's already been described as themes, about sort of Alien's more about theme, or like the, like the 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 what is it the the atmosphere? Yeah, Alien very atmospheric and much much written about and discussed about the Alien could be a play. It it could be about the way that the xenomorphs are like almost like pregnancy and like the the male fear of pregnancy because of the the chest burster kind of Alien. Uh, and, and there's so much interesting writing you can look up on that movie that totally reinterprets some of it from just your average science fiction horror movie. Aliens shifts its focus more onto motherhood in a way, as Ripley, of course, has no children of her own. She's been adrift in space in this cryogenic sleep chamber, and she finds Newt, and she gets to care for this child and awake, awaken these instincts within her that she's been not been able to use because of the way her life has gone. And the scenes that she has with Newt are, are so tender and so loving. And you, it's just a, a beautiful build for her from how we, we see her with the child to eventually how she's fighting off the, her, of course, evil counterpart, the Xenomorph Queen. <laughs> so, yeah, another truly great science fiction performance there. Uh, good work from the Academy, obviously, recognizing almost all of these women in their time. Holly Hunter went unrecognized, but... Still, a good crop here for their respective years. Okay. Um, all right. How do you want to approach this? This is tough. I, I think Holly Hunter, both like, she's very funny in Raising Arizona, gets one of the, you know, she, she brings some of the emotional depth to that movie, which is a little bit zany, so I wanted to recognize her, but safe to say she's not going to win from this crop. Neither do I think Elizabeth Shue is going to win. Who's a beautiful, beautiful performance. Uh, but it, it's so yeah. It's a matter of the fact that we just love some of these other performances a little bit more. But 
yeah, heartrending work from Elizabeth Shue. Not really something she's gotten to do much in her career, unfortunately. She did not get to maintain her career deep into the 2000s and the 2010s, so love to see her back on the boys for all of you Elizabeth Shue fans. But So, Meryl Viola Sigourney. I go... I think it's Viola V. Sigourney. You leaving off Meryl? I'm leaving off Meryl. The great Meryl Streep has won enough Oscars. She doesn't need a drippy. <laughs> She's won three. She yeah. is very, very good in doubt, of course. But I'm happy to give her the bronze medal. I think it's Viola. We're, we're, we're doubling up on fences? Do you counter? I, I don't really. Okay. I don't really counter. But it's just funny because when you look back at the, you know, the year in Cinema Trip, Fences is a movie that both of us liked and respected. We loved these performances, but thought the movie itself was good. I think I liked it more. I think I liked the filmmaking within the confines of a play more than okay. you did. Maybe, yeah. And Aliens, for me, is a movie where I love the... I, I like the performance quite a bit, but I, I love the movie around it a little bit more. So it's just funny how that worked out, but it sounds like we're, we're going back-to-back on Fences. <laughs> <laughs> give you know, it to Viola. There's there's worse ways that we could be spending our time. There are worse ways that we could be spending our time. Uh, Fences, uh, Viola Davis, of course. It, she she's just an excellent movie movie crier, and of course Rose Maxson is asked to cry quite a bit in that movie. Oh my goodness! And uh, we're truly one of our great youth, like one of the great users of her face. And when, <laughs> when she smiles. You want the best for her. You really do. You really do. And Rose Max, of course, is this extraordinarily selfless, caring, loving person who's who is sort of gets her back pushed up against the wall and, and is forced to make a stand for herself. And that journey is a, again a tricky one because you have to you have to walk us along with this person not falling apart, of course, but with their walls being broken down where they stop putting up with the things that they endure. And she comes to that point. And the journey, of course, it's beautifully written by August Wilson, but it's played beautifully by Davis as well, bringing us from, again, that opening scene where they're sitting and they're laughing. She's doing some laundry, making some dinner. Very classical, like, American family life. You know, the husband walks home with his pal and they're chit-chatting and telling stories. The wife is there taking care of the housework. And to see the ways where that spirals away from the the platonic ideal of the American family. Beautiful work. Um, okay. It's a shame, though. I, I, I do want to recognize she was given the Best Supporting Actress Oscar that year. So that's, that's the category that she won in, but we both agree she is a leading actress, not a supporting actress. I don't hate that she was put in supporting because I guess you make the you make the argument either that there are two leads or that Denzel is the lead and everyone around him is supporting. So I guess I don't hate that, but yeah, I think she's a leading actress in this. Okay, um, our favorite blends from the year. I gotta say, dude, we had just a lot of really, really fun blends of the month. I don't think there was... I know there were ones that disappointed you. There was not a single blend where I was truly, like, angry at the pick. I think my choice of David Leach did not bear as much fruit as I wished it would, because Bullet Train was not nearly as good as I hoped it would be. Entertaining. Yes. But it was one of my top... Like, my most anticipated movies of last year, when we did that episode a year ago, you know, it's where it was. So... 
little bit let down. And Atomic Blonde, I liked quite a bit. I know you did not, but I liked quite a bit. But a little bit let down there. And the only other one that maybe stands out is 1997. But There's it's one movie by Titanic. Movie. So. Okay. Both of us had James Cameron. And so we had to choose a different one. But James Cameron, I, I guess maybe it's also helped by the fact that we went out of our way to watch the rest of his filmography. And so it's like, a, I, I will say, watching Aliens helps me appreciate Terminator. Watching Terminator helps me appreciate um, True Lies. Watching The Abyss helps me appreciate Avatar. So it, it's... it's the and watching Piranha 2 helped you appreciate... Help me appreciate, um, I don't know, help me appreciate gentle walks alone on the beach mm. when I recognize that there is a need in me to grab my spouse and have some underwater sex. Interesting, Christian. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that James Cameron blunt was a lot of fun. The movies that we discussed, it's just banger after banger after banger plus we covered titanic earlier this year on the show so like just i i am definitely part of the james cameron hive where even if i quite despise product two and like but don't love the abyss you're only a couple hours away from watching avatar the way of water i know it's 9 9 15 right now just about and i'm catching avatar the way of water at 350 pacific standard time so it's going to be a jolly good day for me but what was your other pick? We, we each picked a second blend in lieu of the James Cameron love that we both just showed up. I put Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie. Three blockbuster or high concept or just, just iconic action movies that I was so happy to watch. It's one of those where, man, I love it when I can go to the movies and just sit down and enjoy some great great action scenes and go get ice cream afterwards and talk with my friends about how we had a great experience together that's what that entire month made me think of taco maverick might be the happiest i've ever been on this podcast just in the afterglow of seeing that movie (laughs) just an incredibly fun episode to record and that month is absolutely up there it's probably my bronze medalist my other choice that i went with was batman because i love batman movies and that was just a blast to cover on the show both in The Batman, which came out this year and is one of my favorites of the year, just like Duncan Maverick, but also returning to Batman with Michael Keaton, which I had not seen growing up. I actually did see, I watched it for the first time a calendar year ago and rewatched it for the show and actually gained more appreciation for it. And The Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies ever, as was covered on, on that show. So, oh, uh, yeah, I just... Could not deny my love for the Caped Crusader. Had to, had to have some fun with him in March, and glad to give it my favorite blend of the year award as well. Uh, for, yeah. All right. Now, Christian, we get to one of your favorite categories that you, for some strange reason, let me pick. Best screenplay. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, to kick it off with a bang, and I'm angry about the exclusion from the other people involved with this movie from some of the acting categories. So, Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon my guy. Also wanted to recognize Alfonso Cuaron, Timothy J. Sexton, David Arata, Mark Ferguson Hawk Ostby for Shorten of Men, Charlie Kaufman for Adaptation, Gillian Flynn and Steve McQueen for Widows, and Kevin Williamson for Scream. Wanted to give an honorable mention to our guy James Cameron and William Wisher 
for Terminator 2 Judgment Day specifically. Okay. But leaving them off. A lot of Jim, big Jim love on this episode so far. We got a James Cameron free zone for the, the rest of the screenplay discussion. How do you feel about my list? I think there's one clear winner. I don't know if you agree with me, but there's one clear... And, and maybe the screenplay category is unfair because I think that the screenplay that to me jumps ahead is the one that makes you notice the writing. Okay. I think that there's one clear winner in that that's that screen. Okay. <laughs> I definitely don't think it's a clear winner from this batch because these are all, all five incredible screenplays. Some adaptations, some original scripts. But speak on screen a little bit, Christian. The beauty of screen... Oh, so many beautiful parts to screen. Um, it entirely puts its script on the making fun of and history, and history of horror movies. Of what horror movies did, how ridiculous some of them could be, and plays on all of those tropes in such strong writing. It gives every single character the dimensions that a character would have in a horror movie, and then upends them. In, in hilarious ways, it is both, it, it both has some very, honestly, kind of scary sequences, but also double that with the fact of, do you understand at times how ridiculous it is to watch the premises that you're watching, but not in a, not in a horror movies aren't good. It's more like they're ridiculous. And also I love them for that concept. That's what the script of Scream kind of puts forth. And it, you definitely keep noticing the plot. You keep noticing the dimensions of the characters. You keep noticing the lines, all the references and callbacks that maybe you appreciate more. Sure, when you are someone who has seen horror movies. But the first time I saw Scream, I had seen none of the things that it had referenced, and I still loved it. And so I think that for it to be able to do that with the script is is something that should be recognized. A good defensive Scream for sure. Uh, obviously, it's included here. I This is my first time watching that movie this year, and I loved it. Loved it. And it's so funny in the way that they make fun of horror movies, yes, but also the way that they are constantly referencing other movies wh whose titles are specifically spoken <laughs> with the, by the characters, or the ways that they are playing with the tropes. And down to having one of the characters literally watching Halloween at a Halloween party while Ghostface is trying to kill some people. Plus, the ending plot twist, I think, is quite surprising and a winner, if you're not familiar with it going into the movie. So let's, let's talk about some of these other nominees here, Christian. Charlie Kaufman for Adaptation. It's an incredible script, and I put it here because I love it. And I know that you... It's a good concept. I see, it just makes me sad that you can't see the, the joy that's in the, the Kaufman script there. I, okay. But I put it there because I was in charge of nominations. I knew it wouldn't win. Okay. So, shout out to Charlie Kaufman adapting the adaptation process. Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon. Once again, a, an incredible script, an incredible movie, and one that you have not gotten on board with. That brings me great pain. And I cry myself to sleep every night when I think about it. I think that the script is the worst part of that movie. Which is just... What? <laughs> If you were in charge of directors and you had put Barry Lyndon in there, I wouldn't have fought you on the nomination. Yeah, his absence from that list is... I'm Spoiler alert, folks. <laughs> That's me grumpy. <sighs> Christian, Christian, Christian. Now we have Children of Men, adaptation of a novel. 
creating this slow apocalypse that we discussed back back on the show when we covered it. And the real coup is that five individual people worked on that script, and it doesn't feel like an absolute crapshoot. It, it actually feels cohesive, despite the fact that so many different people were credited on pulling it together. And of course, Hollywood movies are often written by more than just one or two people who may just not necessarily receive credit, but to have a, a script this strong from five people, giving us this, this action movie, of course, this journey of protecting sure. this pregnant woman as they try to get her delivered into safety, but also some great ideas packed in as well. Fantastic ideas. And then we have Widows, another movie that blends Fantastic movie. popcorn thrills of a heist and also some real dramatic heft with also some higher-minded ideals. And I think, honestly, as I was thinking about these scripts, in some respects, they are movies that the screenplay is brilliant, but that when matched with the direction, that's where we achieve the glory. I don't and know I think, who wrote Planet of the Apes, but I feel like Planet of the Apes would have also... We should, should have maybe fallen under this category. Yeah, I mean, honorable mention. We'll, we'll give it there. Um, Widows in particular, the scene that always comes to my mind is where Colin Farrell's alderman is riding in a car with his assistant. Yes. And you see him go from a rally in a poorer part of the district that he cares for back to the rich part of the area that he it lives in. And that is, a, that is, I don't know if it was in the script. Steve McQueen obviously directed, he co-wrote the script. But that is a piece of, of it's a directorial or cinematographical, whatever you want to say, a choice. And so, honestly, if we're just going on strength of script alone, kind of, I've talked myself into Scream. <laughs> because that would be a blast just to read, let alone watch it unfold. But the, the Scream screenplay... Is, is just, it's fantastic, of course. And another greatly directed movie by Wes Craven, but yeah, I if it's your pick, man, I can't really complain. We'll keep this harmony moving. All right. We, uh, we just, that was a long, <laughs> a long, discussion long for monologue for me to realize that you were right. Okay. <laughs> moving on to Best Director, Christian. I feel like a lot of these podcasts are you monologuing and me telling you three things. Yeah. Cool. Best Director, I put James Cameron for Titanic, Alfonso Cuaron for Children of Men, Doug Liman for Edge of Tomorrow, Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick, and James Cameron again for Avatar. James Cameron is here twice. He should honestly be here three times. (laughs) James Cameron is here twice. (laughs) I love James Cameron. We covered so many movies on the show this year. Stanley Kubrick didn't even wisp, get a whiff of the honorable mentions, Christian. <laughs> oh, yeah. there. Oh, honorable mentions? Steven Spielberg. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> Did we cover Steven Spielberg? Jaws, Christian. Oh, yeah. Jaws. That is, that is a Steven Spielberg. Christopher version. Nolan, absent. I would say honorable mentions are Wes Craven for Scream, James Cameron for Aliens. Oh, my God. Roland Emmerich's best movie, Independence Day, and yet he is nowhere to be found. Oh, man, Christian. What do I do with you? Okay. You put Doug Lyman on this list, and I'm mad about it. Edge of Tomorrow is a fantastically well-directed movie. <laughs> That's Edge of Tomorrow is a well-directed movie. It is true. I, you know, I'm, just, I'm grumpy with you for putting James Cameron on here twice. You couldn't even have just like done a joint nomination for two movies. No. That's not how this works. You put Cameron on here twice, Lyman on here. I just I put James Cameron on here twice for you. That's it's real sweet of you to do, bud. But 
you left off all my other favorite movies from this year. Except Joseph Kaczynski. Shout out to Joseph Kaczynski. That, that, that's one heck of a director right there. Okay, you, Spiderhead, never heard of it. <laughs> you know you know who I want to win. Um, I'm assuming Doug Lyman. You're just a real, really Lyman-pilled. You just love Edge of Tomorrow so much. I do, actually. We love <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow so much. I mean, you're going to want Cameron for Titanic. Yes. And looking at this batch of nominees, Cuomo is a great director. Children of Men is not his best movie. Doug Lyman is a good director, but... I, I'm not giving it to him and Edge of Tomorrow over this list. Kaczynski is the one we're really in contention with Cameron, but James Cameron is James Cameron. And it's just a matter of which movie do we pick. And Avatar is my favorite James Cameron movie. Titanic is your favorite James Cameron movie. And Avatar is your, what? Fourth? Fifth? Where did it land for you? Sixth? He has eight movies, right? He has eight movies that he has directed. Yeah. It was, it was six for me. A, a great pox upon your house and but titanic is number three for me so it just makes sense we should give it to titanic like what are we he's king of the world what are we talking about from this batch of nominees yeah. sure maybe there are some some highbrow high-minded film critics out there who would pass out in rage that we didn't include the names that we should have included here and then we're giving it to cameron like for stanley titanic. kubrick like stanley Ma- kubrick Christian. milos foreman <sighs> but you know like from this batch titanic is unbelievable it's a love story, all-time classic love story for the ages, plus a disaster movie that looks unbelievable 25 years later. So, I mean, how do you not give it to him for that? I, and look, like, I love Avatar. And the, the directorial work that he put in is, from a technical perspective, mind-blowing. Titanic also works, though, when it comes to the work with the the actors and the launching of these movie star careers, mm-hmm. um, Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet reached the stratosphere from that movie. Uh, so no complaints here about Titanic winning. Complaints about the nominations for sure. But <laughs> I mean, speak on Titanic a little bit more, Christian. You've already talked about it on the show, but let's give it a little more love. It's it's I I keep going back to the structure. How he kind of okay yes it's centered it's centered on Kate and Leo, but he spends the time showing you the different parts of the ship at the beginning and the different just groups of people that occupy these parts of the ship, so that when ship go down, you sad for ship, <laughs> you sad for people. Ship go down, you sad for ship. Quote Christian, who <laughs> is a person fluent in the English language. It's it's it's. Oh man, you cannot find something where he will outline for you how the ship sinks at the beginning of the movie and now starts to show you the sinking of the ship so that it becomes real for you. It's it's fantastic work. It's fantastic work. It's it's I, I love it so much. And, and honestly, like, I have no clue, nor do I think I will ever know how they filmed it. Uh, there's a lot of writing and behind-the-scenes featurettes yes, waiting for the, you, Chris. No, no, no. <laughs> there, there is, but you... How... I guess my, my, my point in that is, how do you get to a point where you can understand how to build these water tanks in order to put a ship on it? That's the magic of Big Jim, baby. Exactly. He, he loves the sea. His, his one true love is the open water. His second great love is movies. Space, maybe? He likes space. <laughs> Doesn't he? 
Um, I, I maybe I don't know. All right. Time for best picture, Christian. Time we for have best picture. we have no more silly interstitial categories to get to. It's time to wrap up 2022 in Cinema Drip. And these are your best picture nominees. Christian, let's alternate names. You fire it off. Titanic. Children of Men. Planet of the Apes. Edge of Tomorrow. The Dark Knight. Top Gun. Maverick. Barry Lyndon. Ha, I made you say Barry Lyndon. Scream. Terminator 2. Judgment Day. And Aliens. Okay. So, looking at this list, a lot of movies we have discussed quite a bit. Every single one received nomination, at least one nomination in another category. Some of them more for their acting, some of them more for their filmmaking. It seems like there are some options on here that one of us enjoys more than the other. So shout out to Barry Lyndon, a great masterpiece, one of Stanley Kubrick's best. It's not winning best picture for Cinema Drip because Christian is a fool. Shout out to Edge of Tomorrow, a movie that Christian reveres and adores, and a movie that I really like. But, <laughs> but will not win best picture. Will not be winning best picture. I think the same could be said about Aliens, a movie that you love. I love. And that I really like, but that is not going to be winning Best Picture here. Scream will not be winning Best Picture. Even though we both really love it. Yes, we do. Kind of can't. It feels it feels wrong. <laughs> um, Planet of the Apes. Will not be winning Best Picture. A movie, again, that you really love and I really like and I'm really glad to have seen. It's just that the movies that we're dealing with here are so high in quality. Uh, that it's it's hard to choose from amongst them, so we, you have to kind of go. Do this every year. What movies will not be winning Best Picture? <laughs> okay. Um, so let's see here. Um, Children of Men will not be winning will Best not Picture be winning. I, again. I it's a movie where I can see myself returning to it, and it grows in my estimations because sometimes you watch a movie and you really like it, but some of the the twists and the turns of the plot, you know, you're more you're more following along the story, and when you return to it, you can pay more attention to some of the choices the director makes. Or you can study the performances a little bit more. And it's a movie where I can see it rising in my estimations when I rewatch it. For now, it's a movie that I really like, but don't like as much as some of the others on the list. Do you feel the same? I, I mean, I, 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 it was in my top five. So I really love it. I do think it's fantastic. I do think it's among Quaron's best work. But I have like respect for you not being as high on it. The Dark Knight. One of my favorite movies ever. One of my one of the best Batman movies, probably the best Batman movie, and has incredible, very flaws. Incredible action movie has very apparent flaws, which I understand. And for me, it's like whatever. But for you, Christian, it's not like whatever. Heath Ledger is is gonna enjoy that supporting actor drippy in the great beyond. Dark Knight is not winning. Okay, so who are we left with? So we're left with Titanic. Yes. We're left with Top Gun Maverick. Okay. We're left with Terminator Two: Judgment, Judgment Day. Day. <laughs> So, we've been very judicious here, Christian. Yeah. But do, okay, do we want to be judicious? After last year's debacle, I would love to be judicious. Okay, by, by, by that I mean, do we really... I, I don't believe in spreading the wealth. What? I don't believe in being like, this This one has, has gotten no award, so let's give it best picture. Well, see, Top Gun Maverick is maybe my favorite movie of this bunch... But it, of course, has not been recognized elsewhere, and it feels wrong to award a Best Picture after it won zero other awards. <laughs> but, I mean, it might be my favorite movie of this year, so stay tuned for our eventual Top Ten episode this year, but okay, where are you in Top Gun Maverick, Christian? It's definitely third out of these three. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Cruise. I uh, would love to receive the Tom Cruise holiday cake one day. 
That leaves us with two James Cameron movies, <laughs> Titanic and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. It had to be this Cameron, one. he emerged early on in the year. He had Titanic appear in the 1997 blend of the month in April, as we recognized your birthday, and was the clear winner of that month, because Men in Black is fine, and Liar Liar is less so. <laughs> and then we had a whole blend of the month devoted to James Cameron and ranking his movies, and now he's about to dominate the discourse all the way to Christmas, because his newest movie in... A so, long time is coming out, and it's literally so, my birthday present. To some extent, it feels right that James Cameron is here. To some extent, it feels right that James Cameron is here. Maybe it's recency bias, maybe it's Maybelline, but we have Titanic and Terminator 2. Titanic is your favorite James Cameron movie, and my third favorite James Cameron movie. Terminator 2 is your second favorite. And your third favorite. So Wait, no, I think it's also my second favorite. <laughs> No, it's third. Third after Aliens. Third after Aliens. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, there you go. I mean, we just gave Big Jim, King of the World, Best Director for Titanic. Does it make sense just to give him the Best Picture award while we're at it? Make, like, the Real Life Academy give him Best Director and Best Picture? I... I mean, we've already given him Best Picture. (laughs) Either way. you, You like T2 how much more than Titanic? I mean, it's a slim margin. I, I, I just have seen Terminator 2 twice, and I'm more familiar with it. Uh, I've seen Titanic once, and it, was, it, it blew my mind. It was glorious, but okay. that's, that's pretty much the distinction. So, no matter what, I'll be happy. Let's just give it to Titanic, Christian. Okay. Come on. We're giving it to Titanic. <laughs> Shout out to James Cameron, captain of the, the HMS Titanic of Hollywood. Our guy coming away with a Best Picture award. Another year, another happy Christian. As you have bullied your way. I didn't bully you. <laughs> I know. I know. I was going to say you, you pick. Didn't, you didn't bully me. You didn't bully me. You, you did work me. the system to your advantage by making our James Cameron blend of the month in November. I'm, you made... Ballot did, stuffing. Didn't you make Denis Villeneuve the November one last year? Uh, well, uh, yeah, with, with Dune coming No, out. no, no, I, you made it the whatever month is before November, October, because I did Marvel for November. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's okay. right. Okay, I just, I just needed to be said here that I didn't put Avatar on the best picture list because I thought you were going to. And I didn't put it on there because this is a shared list, and I know it's not, it's far from your favorite, and we were going to have a lot of other camera movies to discuss, so I'd rather get The Dark Knight on there than Avatar. If you had put Avatar on there, I would have voted for it for Best Picture. Interesting, Christian. Considering it's not your favorite James Cameron movie by a country mile. Because it's still a significant achievement. The sixth best James Cameron movie is better than 98% of movies. (laughs) Big Jim. You know, I, I saw someone on TikTok the other day getting mad about James Cameron because he has been going on this pre Avatar press tour. He's just. He's letting it rip. He's making fun of Hollywood. He's being mean to people. He's he's talking about how awesome he is. Like he's self-aggrandizing and talking about how I how amazing it. his I scene. Love I, it. I'm, I'm in love, dude. I, <laughs> I mean, we need more of it. We need more people like him in Hollywood. The what what, it, what is it that he said? He said that at any point in Avatar, because it's a three-hour and twelve-minute movie. <laughs> like I, I I echo the words of Sean Fennessy. It should be six hours long, but. <laughs> He, he goes, at any point during this three-hour and 12-minute movie, you can go to the bathroom and pee because you'll just catch what you missed the next time you come see it. <laughs> Incredible. And I, I already know. I already know I'm going to see this movie multiple times in theaters. More than once. Because I'm going today 
for my birthday, and I've already spoken with my mother, who lives in a different state from me, and when I go home around the holidays this year, we're going to go see it together as well. So, I mean, it's like... I'm celebrating Christmas in Tennessee this year. I'm going to find the nearest AMC and just go in. I'm, like, I'm, sure, I'm sure they will have a theater showing Avatar. There's, there's some other quote that he gave recently where, like, he was talking about the Avatar sequels, because much is being made about how successful The Way of Water must be to greenlight Avatar I've told you, I've told you how five. successful it has to be. Yes. Christian, you have a friend on the inside at Disney who has provided some very general information. But he, apparently, the script was read for Avatar 4, and they said, no notes, or something like that. No, they said, holy F. Yeah, they said, holy F. Which is unbelievable and not true. And I'm so glad that James Cameron made it up and said it. <laughs> we need more people like him. And I'm glad to recognize <laughs> recognize his craft and his audacity here on the drippies as we reflect on the year in Cinema Drip. Christian, we did it. We, we, we did not fight for like this entire We basically episode. didn't fight. We got mad at the people left off of nominations from time to time. But we did not fight about the award winners. We felt pretty unified in that. Uh, I feel weird that Fences took both of our leading acting awards. But in a way, it had to. Yeah, it didn't show up later on. Uh, and it is funny to have some of those movies in Best Picture, but to, to not really receive a ton of love in other categories. But either way, let's recap the awards. Best Supporting Actor, Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger for The Dark Knight. Best Supporting Actress, Zoe Saldana for Avatar. Best Actor, Denzel Washington for Fences. And Best Actress, Viola Davis for Fences. Best Screenplay, Went to Kevin Williamson for, for Scream. Scream. Yo, shout out Scream. Shout out Scream. I, you know, uh, one, one quick anecdote for the people of this, the listeners of this podcast, because if you're still here and still listening, we just, we love you. You're, you're my true birthday gift. Uh, recently, Christian and I got tickets to see a test screening of, a new, of the new Fast and Furious movie, which I had only seen like three of those movies. And so I went on a massive binge watch, a, a Fast and Furious binge watch, fitting in everything from Tokyo Drift to F9. Uh, I, I left out Hobbs and Shaw because I'd already seen it. And we got to the theater yesterday, and they said we were too late. But they did give us free tickets, and we saw Smile instead. So we'll see you Fast 10 one day. But it did make me want to do a binge watch of Scream, because that's another franchise that I have only seen the first one, but I loved it, and I want to see the rest of them. So maybe a 2023 project for me is, is watching the rest of the Scream movies so we can catch the new one together, which is coming out in March, right? So excited. Best director and picture went to James Cameron and his his team for Titanic. And Christian Ubius rested his little head on his pillow at night and slept soundly as uh, <laughs> all is right in the universe. Any final thoughts, Christian, on our, our drippies here? Anything else you want to recognize, shout out? Movies that didn't come up that you wish did in one way or another? Anything else? Um, Best costume design, drippy, goes to Planet of the Apes. I mean, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I will say, Nev Campbell was amazing in Scream. She's great. She's and, great in Scream. And, and I did want to say that it's, it's, she's not going to be in the new Scream movie, which makes me sad. She's been like the mainstay, one of the three mainstays. But did want to, I, I guess I just really wanted to shout her out. And also the, um, I, I don't know, that's, that's the main one that came to mind. Yeah. Keanu Reeves and John Wick forever. It's a sham that you can't understand it, Christian. For sham. Folks, that is not only our show, but that is our year here at the Cinema Drip Podcast. 
This episode, uh, as we're recording it, we actually have not dropped our Marvel Cinematic Universe draft episode, which I hope by this point you are all fastly and furiously voting for and picking your favorites from the drafts that we dropped. And you'll be listening to this episode closer to the Christmas holiday. So whatever you're celebrating this year, we hope you are enjoying it with friends or family, feeling warm and cozy and opening some nice presents if that's part of your celebrations this year. Christian and I will be back in January after a holiday break uh, with our annual Top 10 of 2022 episode. Uh, before I went on my Fast and Furious binge watch, I was fastly and furiously once again. I can't get away from that uh, descriptor because it's too funny to me. I was uh, rapidly catching up with some 2022 releases, all, a lot of stuff that was hitting streaming that I hadn't caught up with yet. Uh, I will say, not a lot of movies that I think are going to threaten an appearance in my top 10 thus far, but it still has been fun catching up with a lot of these movies. Christian, have you been working on some homework as well? For 2022, yes. I've seen many, many, many movies. Um, it feels like this year's weaker than last year. Really? I, I'll, we'll talk about this more next year, but it's, it's hard finding the 20. You know... I think in some respects, I'm curious to see how this year sort of shakes out once we get through the end of the calendar year and then we kind of switch into awards conversation and we go from there. Because I think there's a lot of interesting movies up for awards uh, this year. There's a lot of stuff in the middle that I think has, like, stuff that has its fans but didn't necessarily reach as big an audience as it hoped. And there's a lot of stuff still going straight to streaming that is still enjoyable and, and worth a watch, even if there's not like all-time masterpieces that are going to be classics that we discuss for the rest of our lives. So it'll be an interesting year to reflect on and discuss as we get to our respective top tens at the beginning of January. Dope. Folks, once again, that is our year in Cinema Drift. Thank you so much for listening along. If you are one of our, our listeners here, we appreciate you so much. And it really uh, means a lot that we get to do this and that people are at home listening along to our episodes and our reviews. So thank you for listening. There are a few things that you can do to support the show, especially as we go on a quick holiday break here. Number one, please do subscribe and give us a rating or a review if relevant. Helps us reach new listeners on the different podcasting apps and we would love to see that subscriber count grow so please do hit that subscribe button review if you can leave us a review we appreciate it you can also follow uh actually excuse me you can send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com we'd love to know your thoughts on the drippies if we left off a movie in a particular category if we gave an award out wrong would love to know that and your thoughts on that or you can also send us your favorite movie of 2022 because we'll share some of those hopefully on our top 10 episode if you've got a top five or a top 10 or a top 50 because you're crazy i don't know make that list and, and we love to read out read out some of our listener picks for favorite movies of the year i'm not going to guarantee we'll read all 50 of your top 50 but if you want to send us a top five maybe we'll have to shout it out and of course you can follow myself and the show on twitter christian on instagram and the both of us on letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching Christian, any final thoughts for 2022 in Cinema Drip? The way of water connects all things. The way of water connects all things, folks. I get to see it in about six hours, and I am incredibly excited. So next time you hear from me, it'll be post-way of water. It'll be number one on my top ten of 2022 list, and I'll be gushing about it, I'm sure. Actually, I don't know where it'll be, but I'm hoping it If you be. preemptively put it as number one, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I'm Scott. He's Christian. And this has been... 2022 in Cinema Drip. See you next year.